Hello and welcome to What's Your Story? Threads of Human Experience, the podcast that weaves meaningful memories, unexpected lessons, and unforgettable encounters. I am your host, Erica John, and in this episode, you'll hear from parents and advocates about how they have been impacted by miscarriage and infant loss. We take a peek into the redeeming stories of loss, but also recognize the impact this type of grief has on a person. Please note this episode discusses miscarriage and infant loss, which may be hard for some listeners, so please listen with care. I'm visiting my friend Alicia Tonjes, who unfortunately knows firsthand the experience of losing a baby. It was 2015. She was newly married when she and her husband found out they were pregnant. It wasn't planned, but we were excited about it nonetheless. I've always wanted children, so uh, we got excited right away about it. Once I tested positive, went to the doctor, started getting checks, um, then right away they noticed something wasn't going quite right, started having spotting. So I went back and forth for a lot of tests. Doctors were trying to figure out whether her pregnancy was a miscarriage or ectopic. An ectopic pregnancy is when a fertilized egg implants outside of the womb, usually in one of the fallopian tubes. These types of pregnancies aren't viable. Ectopic pregnancies can cause internal bleeding and even be fatal. So the only treatment is to terminate the pregnancy through surgery or medication. Eventually around seven weeks, they said it was ectopic. They recommended uh, methotrexate, which is an injection that stops cell growth. So I felt at that point that we were terminating a pregnancy that we really wanted, but it was impossible to be viable because it was tubal. A few days later, she started having pain and decided to go back to the hospital. And they did an ultrasound and said that they could see some free fluid in my abdomen. So at that point, they consented me for surgery and did laparoscopic um, exploratory surgery. Everything was resolving correctly at that point, so they were able to leave both fallopian tubes, but um, yeah, at that point they said like, um, yeah, I wasn't pregnant anymore and that was about seven weeks, two days. The days that followed were heavy and sad. At the time, I feel like I was very like devastated thinking like something's wrong with me I could have ectopic pregnancies now every time what if I can't have kids I've always wanted kids so I felt like I was like I'm normally very positive but it was going into like worst case scenario and like very sad so basically just like laying in my room um, in pain taking pain medications from the surgery and yeah trying to cope with the feelings of sadness of losing the baby, losing the hopes and dreams we had for that pregnancy and the dates that we knew like, oh, the baby should be born in April and knowing that would be coming. So yeah, basically just like sad and thinking maybe my dreams were not going to happen. You can flip the pages. Very cool. What does the book say? What's the book about? It's about hairstyles. Hairstyles? It's been eight years since Alicia lost her child. She's happy to now have three living children of her own 
and has welcomed two more to her family through fostering. Her story of loss is more common than many of us might realize. For me, growing up, I would scarcely hear of women who had miscarriages. As I got older, I realized how common it actually is, and I learned that 15 to 25% of known pregnancies end in a loss. That is about one in four that don't survive. It's a sad statistic to think about. And really, it makes me wonder that we probably all have someone in our lives who has lost a baby, but we don't know. But why don't we know? Why is there a stigma around miscarriage? And are they receiving the proper emotional and healing care they need? These questions led me to the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center, a nonprofit charity located in the inner city, southwest end of downtown Calgary. They help families connect to support on their path to healing after pregnancy or infant loss. It's a snowy Friday morning, and I'm here to meet Danielle Kaluski and Aditi Loveridge, co-founder and founder of the center. They both have stories of infant loss, but have also made a positive impact on the lives of others because of their experiences. So one of the, the practices that we do before our groups, and actually Aditi and I each do it um, every morning, is we take a minute to light a candle, um, and when we're lighting this candle, we're doing it in honor of our own journeys and our own babies. So I uh, do it in honor of my daughter, Emelina, as well as for all the babies that have gone too soon and all the journeys. So thinking back, it's not just, you know, the pregnancy loss. It's all the journeys people are on and whatever their loss looks like. So we kind of light a uh, candle for all the different souls. That's Danielle. Journey showing me how she lights a candle to honor her daughter who was delivered stillborn. It was February 2012. With one living child at the time, this was her second pregnancy, and at 37 weeks, felt like something was a little bit off. After going to her midwifery appointment the next day, and they couldn't find the heartbeat, she was told to go to the hospital. And finally, the doctor comes in and does the final ultrasound and says, what we all know at that point, which is my baby doesn't have a heart rate and she's considered stillborn. And now we need to go through the labor and delivery. So we went through labor and delivery through the hospital and I had a fantastic experience at the hospital. And it's so weird to say, but I was so cared at the hospital that I delivered in. They took the time to make sure that I had the best nurses. And I had a team with midwifery team and the doctors and the nurses. They made it so that when I look back at that event, it's not traumatic to me because there was so much love and I had my mom come and visit, I had my sister come and visit. And in such a stressful space, we were still able to welcome her in. So I was extremely supported at the very beginning. But what happens with grief and loss is that people fade away. After having a stillbirth, she realized how many other people in her life also had similar stories. Danielle saw the gaps in how we as a society care for those who have gone through miscarriage and infant loss. And one thing that I knew is when I experienced the stillbirth of my child, I had the opportunity to speak with people that I'd worked with who shared their story with me. And I realized that I didn't know their story, 
because they never shared it because they didn't feel that they could. It was when I experienced my loss that I had a cousin, I had a friend, I had a coworker, I had a boss. All of a sudden these people are telling me their stories and I'm like, how did I not know that you had another child? How did I not know? And you know, you can see the grief that they still deal with. And the more that we do research on pregnancy loss, the more that it's normal to talk about pregnancy loss, the more we realize how many people are dealing with depression, anxiety, um, and all of these clinical terms that is affecting their families, it's affecting their livelihoods. Danielle and Aditi now work together at the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center. It's a cozy and calm space. They know the importance of creating a safe place to talk about grief without feeling ashamed. Aditi says it's important to remove the shame associated with miscarriage and infant loss. I think that it is about knowing that this is a a greatly impactful experience. So historically, generations before us have brushed this under the rug. And that's just not an option anymore. Um, And I think by brushing it under the rug, it sends that message that it's not important, that you can just push through and move on. And so I think when you have somebody in your life that's navigating this, it's, you know, being there, showing up for them in in whatever ways feels comfortable for you and that that relationship allows. So, you know, sending a text message, um, I'm thinking of you, dropping off a Starbucks, um, if you don't know what to say, being human and honest about that, like, I don't know what to say, and I'm here for you. And then actually be there for them. Aditi can speak to this from firsthand experience. She also lost her first child during an ectopic pregnancy, a trauma that was only made worse by the systemic racism she encountered while trying to receive care in the hospital. An experience, she says, almost killed her. Life was not easy following that first loss. I kind of just pushed a lot of it away and nobody in my circle was really talking about anything. I was hearing the message of, well, at least it happened now and not later in a pregnancy and, you know, you're young, just try again. And so I, that was kind of the narrative that I went into the second pregnancy with or second trying to conceive. Um, then we tried again. And we had an, experienced another loss. This one was a, a later term loss. Um, and then we decided, somehow I found the strength um, to try a third time. And then we got pregnant uh, with my now living child, who was nine. Um, and I think that was the hardest part of my entire journey, um, was the pregnancy with him. Because I hadn't processed anything. Nobody was really walking alongside me in the complexity of what I was feeling and and going through. Throughout these years of loss, Aditi's eyes were open to the gaps that exist in terms of care and support for families during and after a loss like this. What I really came to find out that there really wasn't a community support that was offering like very niche specialized care. What I did is I started to host um, a social connection group for anybody who had experienced pregnancy or infant loss or infertility and more and more people started to attend it. And I started to just listen to what the community was saying and the community was saying that there needed to be more support for like that specialized niche care and also that lifelong journey. So whether you're right in the midst of the journey or if you're 10 
years out, but you still want to connect with the community. Um, that was greatly lacking. That's how she started the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center. Dr. Stephanie Cooper is an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist. She serves as a medical advisor on the board for the center. Dr. Cooper has walked with many families through seasons of loss and as families try to get pregnant after loss. A post-loss follow-up with a doctor who can go through with them in a compassionate way, in the right environment, with the right amount of time. What happened? You know, answer questions. You know, a lot of times people won't remember what happened in the hospital. Again, back to that numbness. And and so that they really can really have the time um, to know what happened and to, to also, again, back to that guilt. People feel they did something wrong to sort of hopefully help that, relieve that sense, and then to make a plan for the future. Each family might handle loss and grief differently. It's unique to everyone. For some people, a miscarriage is uh, very much the loss of a child and a baby, and even you know, calling it a miscarriage in itself doesn't really incorporate or consider sort of what that means for them, that this is a loss of a possible, you know, a, a future child, a loss of a dream, a loss of a, um, an expectation of you know, motherhood and everything that motherhood is, is believed to encompass. So... So I do think we just need to, it needs to be discussed as part of, you know, women's health. Breaking the stigma down and opening the doors for conversation around pregnancy loss means recognizing why people don't talk about it in the first place. I think, you know, part of it is, is that it's a bit of a, a shameful thing in um, people's perceptions because it's a, it's a woman's thing, it's bleeding, it's, and so certainly it's not an area in, in many cultures, of course, and in history where menstruation and you know, women's issues are, are very much to be done in private and away from men and society. But I do think a lot for, for women, it's a sense of, you know, failure. And so they don't talk about it. And um, because, it, you know, women are supposed to be able to, you know, have children and give birth. And and uh, so it is, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, I always think people don't want to tell people they're pregnant too soon for fear of miscarriage, but then when the miscarriage happens, nobody knew they were pregnant, and so they are physically, the experience of going through um, a miscarriage, but also the emotional part, so it's very much that people walking around working with you may have just, you know, lost a pregnancy, you know, a few days ago, and um, if we don't talk about it, then um, it doesn't become normalized, we don't have those discussions, and, and there remains a stigma. The Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center provides support groups for all these types of people. They have a helpline and offer coaching and counseling, along with no-cost comfort boxes. They also offer specialized peer support groups for early loss, late loss, pregnant after loss, parenting living children after loss, termination for medical reasons support groups, trying to conceive groups, a post-abortion group, a group for SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, and many more. Because it's an office in the center, it's more than that. We wanted it to look as comfortable as a home. This is where Stephen Pears found comfort after the loss of his daughter. Uh, back in 2020, me and my partner lost our second-born daughter, Lydia, to SIDS. Uh, she passed away in February after 27 days with us. And it shattered us. It... it, it it wrecked us. During that time, I was 
really lost and my partner was really lost and we were struggling. And she discovered Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center and the support groups they did. And she started attending and she saw that I was still really struggling because if I'm honest, everywhere I went, I felt out of place. My partner told me there's this Partners in Loss Support Group for, and then the way I identify is as a dad. You should go, and I started to go, and people weren't there, and it was just me, but it felt safe. It felt like a place I could grieve. And as a man, as a male identifying person, finding somewhere safe to be in my emotions is a complicated thing. It shouldn't be. I, that's why I do this work. It absolutely shouldn't yeah. be, but it is. For the past three years, he has been facilitating the Partners in Loss group and is also completing his final practicum as a social work student in the center. He knows what an isolating experience this can be and sees the benefit in finding a safe place to process your grief. There are so many unspoken miscarriage and infant loss stories. As we increase the dialogue around this topic and implement more post-loss supports, families and future families of loss can continue to heal in a healthy way. The more that we talk about it, the more that people know that we um, are out there, it helps. Like that's actually what, one of the reasons that led me to, to found um, the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center. Because when I was working as a social worker, I saw that there was a community charity for almost every cause, right? And yet there was nothing for pregnancy and infant loss. And so for me, I was like, that sends a deep message that this is not a worthy cause, that people think that it doesn't matter. And boy, were we wrong because, I mean, the amount of growth that we've seen over the years, it, it clearly is a deep need. Changing the narrative around miscarriage and infant loss can help families grieve and heal in the best way possible. If this is you or your family, I want to remind you that the loss of your little one and your story is important. You've been listening to What's Your Story? Threads of Human Experience. I am Erica John. This series was produced in Mokinsis, also known as Calgary, the ancestral lands of the Nitsitapi, Iyahe Nakoda, Sutina, and Metis peoples. This series is part of the Community Podcast Initiative based out of Mount Royal University, where we are grateful for the opportunity to create, learn, and grow. As our stories intersect, we see value and importance in learning about the people and places where our lives unravel and recognize our responsibility to decolonize our media practice. What's your story? Threads of Human Experience is powered by Shaw. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you can pull more threads and discover more stories. <laughs>